Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 29 One Person's Meat is Another Saviour. C slid her tongue over her teeth, grimacing at the furry texture. She hadn't brushed them in at least a day. She'd worn the same oversized T-shirt and gym leggings for three, and she could not recall the last time she'd even washed her hair. Although she'd been FaceTiming them at regular intervals, she felt guilty that she hadn't been with her boys. Almost as guilt-inducing was that Jeremy had been left alone with them for the duration. The idea of leaving Tammy's side for even a second was unthinkable, however. It was not until the eleventh hour, the moment that all had seemed lost and her worst fears were to be realised, that she was given the news. We have a donor, Dr Kumbala had said to her, casual as anything. She had to tell him to repeat himself, and even then she'd thought she'd misheard. Such an astounding arrangement of words might have been sufficient to bolster anyone's faith in God. It was almost able to provide C with some. Her next conversation with the doctor would decide if she still felt this way. Waiting for news had become an affliction too distressing to express in words, the not knowing a source of tremendous agony, a helplessness perhaps only on par with her first discovering Tammy's illness. Nothing could distract from it. Seconds felt like hours, the hours felt like lifetimes, and she was often convinced they'd forgotten about her. Try to relax, Mrs D, the nurse had told her. You will be the first to know. Until then, this would be her life, sitting in a waiting area, occupying herself with staring at one clock and a finite number of walls, praying to a god she now vaguely questioned the existence of. Recent developments sure felt like God's work, she thought, at least to any subscriber to the notion that God only facilitated benevolent acts. It was a startling announcement that did not quite seem conceivable, four words that might as well have been the description of a miracle. The only sadness attributed to them arose when she thought deeply enough and realised that someone had died to give her daughter a shot at life. She found herself considering imaginary families saying a final goodbye to their loved one. Four and a half hours now, she noted, watching the clock hands land on 4.35pm. This was later than the time her new doctor had offered as an estimate. She knew he was talking in averages, and even then, she knew it would take longer to inform her of the verdict. Every person emerging from the corridor looked like a tall middle-aged South Asian man, even petite white nurses, in short burly porters. Something is wrong, she decided, at the five-hour mark. The last person she'd spoken to had been dismissive, like she was a nuisance for asking more than once. They must have been used to such repetition and weary of impatience. C didn't care. She stopped the next person she saw dressed in scrubs. Excuse me, she said. I'm waiting to see if Tamara D is out of theatre. I'll check, they replied. Less dismissive this time, she thought. They returned and C tried to read their expression as they approached. It was inscrutable. They finished in theatre, they said. A doctor will be with you shortly. Thank you. This was new. C's heart rate picked up and remained at this elevated output for the next five minutes. 
When Dr. Kombala finally appeared in front of her, she could feel it pulsing in her ears. Hello, Mrs. D. Thank you for your patience. Again, she tried to read into his demeanour, unable to know if his poker face was deliberate. Take a seat. She obliged and he sat down next to her. With abruptness, he said, the transplant went as well as could have been hoped. As well as could have been hoped? What the hell did this mean? The doctor appeared to read her mind, meaning the operation itself was a success. C squeaked, then the following noise was several registers lower, a guttural sigh. So Tammy is... Your daughter is stable at present, Mrs D. She is resting. We'll know much more in a few hours. Can I see her? Yes, though you probably don't need me to tell you to let her sleep. Of course, I just want to see her. C surveyed her child sleeping in the darkened room. She looked so tiny, so drained of life, but also deeply restful. Although she wanted so desperately to hold her, she stopped herself from reaching over or from even gently stroking her hair. She watched her for a further ten minutes or so. Then with a twinge of guilt, she realised that she needed to call Jeremy. He's probably worried sick. She stepped out into the corridor. Tears trailed down her cheeks at the thought of finally expressing something positive. They said it went as well as they could have hoped. We'll know more in a few hours. Her husband cried down the receiver, which set her off further. They discussed when he'd be able to come in. He'd contact work the second he hung up. Returning to the armchair beside her daughter, C watched her silently for hours, paying close attention to the rise and fall of her chest. It was hypnotic. Eventually she felt her eyes start to go. It was as if her body was finally letting her rest. The next day played out like a dream. Listening to Tammy talk, watching her smile, none of it seemed real. Hearing doctors explain that her body had seemed to have taken well to the new organ was so opposed to any news they'd received for the best part of a year. The results of her blood work were much better than expected. Ordinarily, patients tend to take longer to adjust to organs of non-living donors, the consultant said, but this did not seem to be the case with Tammy. C's defences were up initially. She dissected every piece of positivity like a fierce critic. Dr. Kambala volleyed away each reservation with ease. He was adeptly reassuring. His words carried a confident, deliberate quality that transcended the ear of competence she'd felt from previous consultants. It only occurred to her now what a miraculous blessing it was to change hospitals. She and Jeremy could not stop smiling at one another whenever they made eye contact. Before today, they'd started to forget what hope was like. When the situation was starting to seem too perfect, a wholly different and unexpected inconvenience emerged. C had stepped out of the ward to buy a coffee when a stranger approached her, a young man carrying a large satchel. Hello, it's Mrs D, isn't it? Hello, C said taken aback, do I know you? I'm sorry to bother you, I work for the East Coast Bugle, I don't suppose I could have a moment of your time. At first she assumed the man was simply conducting some kind of general research, soliciting a soundbite of her experience with the hospital, or something of that nature. But then she remembered he'd addressed her by name. She frowned, giving no verbal response. I just wanted to talk to you about your daughter's organ transplant. What? 
How do you... Why are you talking to me about that? Are you aware of the person who donated the kidney to your daughter? No, why would I? That's anonymous. Yes, in most cases that would be true. Tell me, are you aware of the recent death of Zach Adonis? The singer? Despite her preoccupation, it had been impossible to avoid this particular piece of information. She'd seen the headline displayed on every screen she passed in the hospital. The same photos of him shown on a continuous loop. Yes, he was killed just a few miles away. It would seem that Mr Hedonis is your daughter's donor. How could you possibly know that? She scowled at the young man. Aren't there rules about people coming into hospitals like this? Please leave me alone. I really didn't mean to bother you, Mrs D, but if I could just take a quick statement. No, get away from me. Whatever means this newspaper had adopted to glean this apparent detail, it soon became clear that they were not the only ones to do so. In the following few hours, the hospital was overrun with journalists and news crews, all vying for an interview. Before long, the larger corporations were attempting to make contact and talk of a fierce bidding war trickled down to sea. They were all competing for the exclusive with Tammy, a first-hand account of what it was like to carry the organ of a rock star. Seeing Jeremy dismissed the initial offers outright, but the figures kept rising. Her husband was the first to toy with the idea. He'd broached the topic tentatively the following morning. It might not be such an awful idea, he'd said. The money would go a long way. Maybe we should see how Tammy feels about it. C had shunned him like the reporter from the Bugle, annoyed that he would even humour the idea. That afternoon, however... An offer came in so staggering that even Cecilia could not ignore it. Tammy was also starting to ask questions herself. C had to tell her something. But they told me I wouldn't find out who gave it to me. Yes, I know. Someone must have broken the rules, and that's bad. C softened her voice. Sweetie, this is completely your decision, but they're offering a lot of money just for you to speak to them. Would I be on TV? Tammy asked, her eyes lighting up. Well, yeah. The girl smiled. What do you think I should do, Mum? If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode.